Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. What's up, Saucerheads? Ryan dropping in with a little prologue to this week's epic conversation with Reese Darby. First off, this was a total fanboy interview with one of my all-time favorite actors, so just preparing you for that. Otherwise, it was just an awesome conversation that I know you're going to enjoy. But first, I have a whole new batch of Patreon subscribers that I'd like to thank, so here goes. Emery J, Deb FM, Wendy T, Charlie M, William R, Peter D, David B, Terrence A, M Osley, David P, Andy M, Jim F, Cheryl O, Azad H, Mason MC, Lauren C, Jake H, Paul J, and Jason J. Thank you to each and every one of you. I hope you enjoy the early edition of the main shows, the bonus episodes, and all the other rewards over on Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, and to learn more, please visit patreon.com slash somewhereskies. Now back to today's guest. Many of you know him from his television appearances and movies, such as Flight of the Concords, What We Do in the Shadows, the new Jumanji movies, and, of course, The X-Files. We go deep into his X-Files episode, his thoughts and theories on UFOs, his awesome UFO-related podcast, Aliens Like Us, and so, so much more. Also, he served in the New Zealand Army, so we obviously had to talk about that too. What I thought would be maybe 30 minutes or so turned into almost two hours of one of the funnest interviews I've ever conducted. But we get pretty serious as well, as the UFO topic rightfully deserves. Speaking of which, this entire interview is also available in video format over on the Ryan Spread YouTube channel. So be sure to head on over there, subscribe, and turn on notifications for more video interviews and content. Lastly, speaking of content, if you're a $5 and above patron, there is a special bonus mini-episode right now where Reese recalls a paranormal experience he had during a live one-man show that stopped him in his tracks and caused him to cancel the show that night. It's a crazy story, and it's waiting for you right now. Patreon.com slash skies. Okay, that's enough shameless promotion. Enjoy our cosmic conversation with Reese Darby. Reese, thank you so much for joining me today for the very first time on Somewhere in the Skies. 
Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. I'm a big fan of your show, Avid Listener. So, uh, yeah, very pleased to be here. Thanks, man. Well, I really appreciate that. I mean, hey, we were supposed to meet up in uh, at Contact in the Desert, That's which was right. supposed to be this summer. But um, such is life. The world has kind of fallen apart. But, um, hey, man, hopefully next year we'll be able to uh, chat in the desert. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, here's hoping. Yeah, here's hoping. I know. I know. It's almost over. I hope. I hope. But um, hey, we're here to talk UFOs. And um, before we even get to that, you know, I want to talk about the podcast, everything you've done um, for for ufology and uh, the paranormal. But um, I have to ask you, I just learned this recently. I did not know this about you. You served in the New Zealand Army. Is this something you're willing to... Uh, Talk to us about what got you into that, and how did you transition from that to uh, to acting? Yeah, sure. It's it's an interesting one. Um, see, I was very dedicated, and still are to a certain degree, but certainly in my youth, uh, to the ways of the military. Now, I was a uh, air training corps cadet. Now, the air training corps, or ATC, as we call it. In New Zealand, and I believe it's a Commonwealth thing, is uh, basically a unit for kids from the age of about uh, 10 through to uh, 15, 16, that uh, has an emphasis on the Air Force and the ways of the uh, of, of, of flight, but also um, uh, basically takes kids who want to do something like scouts but it isn't scouts. And it. Uh, I, when I discovered that, I signed up immediately because as a kid, I used to watch a lot of war films and I was just into that kind of stuff, uh, the sense of order. Um, by the way, I answer questions usually uh, it's sort of like it takes me 20 minutes and then I'll spin off into some tangent just to give you a warning. <laughs> you know, this is my improv styles and about 15 minutes in, we'll be talking about something really weird and we'll go, what was that question again? Uh, what, what we, why, why are we here? <laughs> We're already there. We're already there. Uh, but just long, Who are long, you? long story short, uh, then I then I joined the army cadets, uh, and I um, it was a, it was a one, once a week thing that my mum would take me to uh, after school, and you had a sense of order. You would iron your uniform, and you learnt uh, discipline. You would march. You would uh, you and sometimes you'd go on these camps and do. Uh, some really good uh, military training with the actual army. You'd do some weapons training. You'd get some adventure. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, I joined the regular force. I went to the regular force cadet school the last year. Uh, it was in existence in New Zealand. Um, it's it, it's uh, it then uh, closed down, uh, not due to lack of interest, but I think it was a a cost issue. It was a it was a million New Zealand dollars to train each each soldier. But I yeah. So that was that was me. I was fully trained. I was like one of the elite. Uh, went into the actual army from that point, um, and was a signaller for four years uh, in the Royal New Zealand Signals Corps. So as a communications electronics operator, I was also one of the last of the Morse coders. So I learned Morse code, and I used to be able to do it at forty words per minute, which is essentially. <laughs> you know that kind of speed and i would be writing down in my tent you know what these codes were uh that were coming through and then giving the uh results to the the officer that was waiting i used to drive land rovers put up massive antennas loved it but then in that same time 
uh, also then started getting interested in girls. I was a, a late, I was a late bloomer, if you will, which is a great thing to have, I think, for a boy. But then I started going, oh gosh, I'd like to have a girlfriend. And then I started going, oh, am I going to be a soldier for the rest of my life? And then I got into trouble a lot because I've got a wicked sense of humor, as you know, and it's not ideal for the for the military. So I was. They said to me, uh, my, my commanding officer said, you know, you should you should try something else. Maybe go to university. And I always thought, yeah, I always wanted to be a journalist. I always wanted to. Um, one of my one of the few skills I have was writing, and creative writing. And uh, you you know all about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so I thought, Tried to, well, at least, yeah, <laughs> I'd give that a bash. Uh, so I, I left at that point, but I've never left the love of what it did for me, self discipline wise. I still have friends uh, uh, that were in the army with me during those times. And, uh, yeah, it's something that will always stick with me for the rest of my days. Wow. See, it's amazing the different lives we can lead in one lifetime, oh. Reese. I mean, we've all been there. I was an athlete growing up. I, you know, I thought I was oh, going to wow. be a pro baseball player and then UFOs and the theater world took over, man. And the, the rest, I, I don't know if my dad is proud of, you know, the transitions I've made or not. Yet. <laughs> I, that's yet to be seen, but Hey man, I can chat with him over a beer about UFOs for hours. So I think I've done my job. Yeah. But, um, okay. So that's amazing. And now it's kind of come full circle. So now you're like interviewing former Navy pilots and stuff like that. So it's, it's all connected somehow, but, um, let's talk about, um, the, the origin story, you know, the Peter Parker getting bit by the spider. How did you, uh, how'd you get interested in the UFO topic, and I'm sure you've mm. answered this a million times, but um, for our listeners who might not know, yeah, how'd you get interested in all this stuff? Have you ever had an experience? Um, yeah, give it yeah. to us. Okay, so for me, uh, those people that know me know that I'm definitely uh, 100% creative, and with creatives, we have an imagination. We like to think outside the box. We uh, don't run by the uh, uh, by the mill uh nine to five mindset uh we wake up in the middle of night and have ideas and write them down still do always will uh whether they are alien downloads or not i'm not sure uh but as a kid i uh and if you you really want to go to the roots of it all and some people might like this because they might feel they're the same way i was a mistake so my family there was uh four kids and then nine years later i arrived at the wrong end my parents split up uh, I really wasn't supposed to exist. And I've always felt that that kind of um, love of the other and the the unknown. And why are we here? Why am I here? And what else is here? What do we not know? And I kind of searched for anything that wasn't supposed to be here as well. And that's where cryptids came in. And that's where UFOs and aliens came in. So for me, they kind of made sense to me because I felt like that. I've always felt like that. And so as a kid, I would look through uh, these books on monsters and things, um, the unknown, and I would get excited about it. And for me, it offered uh, an excuse for me being here. Um, It seems weird, but I think some people may be able to relate to that. And I've always had that in my heart going through life. And I've always had an interest in what else is out there that isn't run of the mill. Um, And will we ever solve it? I'll solve why I'm here because it was obviously um, 
<laughs> a, a night of passion at some point where you know uh yeah but uh still i i kind of i love the fact that i'm a mistake because i'm always searching for uh something bigger and that's led in a lot of ways to my success um because I'm not going to take anything for granted and sit back and relax. I'm 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 always uh, on the adventure. Um, so yeah, in terms of my own personal experiences, um, I would love to say I have seen cryptids, uh, but I haven't. But I have had a feeling of them. Uh, ghosts, unfortunately, which are my least favorite of the paranormal things I have, I have had kind of experiences with, and I can go into that a bit later. Um, ufology, I've seen uh, UFOs uh, twice, possibly three times, but unfortunately only, as I call them, astronomical ones, which are up in, mm-hmm. up in space. And that's through looking through night vision goggles and seeing uh, anomalies uh, that are moving in a really weird direction at contact in the desert and prior to that i've also seen them at loch ness uh which was a cool place to see them i've been there three times looking for nessie and once i was with um we my wife and i and my my kids were staying with some hippies next to the loch and uh they invited us out to the backyard after this um very uh raw what was that raw not raw meat raw food uh diet um dinner yeah something like it was it was all put through a a blender and we had to eat it uh anyway (laughs) and and then uh, but it was obviously very good for you and then sort of after that um they talked about oh yeah because i was obviously asking about nessie and this couple said um by the way, the wife, uh, I, I, I could do a bit more research on it right now, but we haven't got time. But I remember using my my memory abilities uh, that she was an ex-supermodel or something like that, or she was an ex-Miss uh, uh, Universe type uh, lady, a, a quite interesting interesting past. The guy, um, I'm not sure, can't remember what his, what his deal was. But then, you know, you can forgive me there. If she was an ex-Miss um, Universe, you know, I probably had my mind more on on what what she was talking about. Uh, but we were, <laughs> next thing I know, we're in the backyard and uh, we're looking up at the stars. You said, like, the cushions were already there. This is something we do all the time, she said. And we're looking up with the binoculars. My son was there too, my my eldest, and he would have been, gosh, he must have been about six or, six or seven then. Um, the little one, I don't think was, I think he would have been um, cuddled up with mum somewhere inside. But we looked up and with the binoculars and we're just looking at the stars. And then she said, just keep an eye, just keep keep looking and you'll see some that, um, lights that move in a, in a weird uh, pattern. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, well, this could be satellites or anything like that. I am just kept looking. We kept looking. And then all of a sudden into, into the, um, into the binoculars uh, came uh, a light that moved in a squiggly fashion and then shot off in a weird direction. And there was no other uh excuse for that other than uh, i said to her oh i think i've seen one and she said did it move like this and i said yes and she said yep that's them we see them all the time and and then when i saw them again in that same fashion in uh contact in the desert last year and the year before because i've been i've been twice now um you know it, it it made sense to me and the most exciting one was last year when i when i put the uh night vision goggles up when you if you ever get to go to um 
contact in the desert listeners uh there's usually some dudes hanging around uh either selling or at least just giving people a go with these amazing very expensive tech uh night vision binocular systems that are really uh, an absolute must if you want to be a um a ufo spotter because these things are fantastic and as soon as i put them up almost like i willed it to happen this thing just came straight into my field of view did it like a almost like if it was a hot rod a, a donut it's like did a little circle and then did a squiggle and then darted out and i was like okay so that that was not a satellite that was that was and 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 it happened immediately and that, and that kind of spooked me out a little bit but unfortunately that has been my only i haven't seen anything close i haven't seen um you know, and I'm very envious of that driving along and the power of your car running out and all of a sudden there's a light. Uh, so, but yeah, a believer, of course. Well, hey, I mean, look, for every close encounter, there's incredible things going on uh, just beyond our atmosphere that we just can't explain. Yeah. And sometimes for me, that's just as exciting as if it were alien or something like that. You know, it's it's science we haven't discovered yet. It's anomalies out there that we just don't know. So, I mean, the fact that you saw anything is is huge. And like you said, you know, I, I want to get your opinions on this later, like willing these things to happen. That's that's kind of a big part of, I think, where a lot of this UFO stuff is heading. Um, but mm. we'll talk about that. Um, all right. So my my next question for you is, the X-Files. I'm a huge fan. So I'm sure you knew this is going to come up at some yeah, point in the interview. Um, how did it happen? It's by far my favorite episode of all, what, 11, 12 seasons that really? they've done. Oh, God, man. It was brilliantly written and uh, performed by everyone involved. But this is one of the biggest listener questions I got. What was it like working on the X-Files? How did it come to be? And uh, yeah, give us maybe the rundown of all that and how you got to wear the cold jack, the night stalker. Oh yeah. Hat. Yeah. So I guess, so we can start off by saying I willed it to happen. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was an alien download in the middle of the night and I went, yep. I mean, I don't know. I just think, I mean, I obviously I have a good agent to, 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 to get through this one real quick, but also give as many details as I can. Um, you know, I have a good agent. I, and so I do get good auditions and I don't get many, but I get interesting ones. And for some reason this came up and it kind of made sense to me. So in I go now, you know, uh, another interesting thing is that when the X-Files was in its, um, uh, most, uh, oh God, I hate it when I can't come up with the words, um, popular, uh, stance, in the world in the nineties, I was in the army. So I didn't see a lot of it. I had to catch up with it. And yet in later years, now what I did see with it uh, was mainly a drama show. So here's me now getting an audition for this, for this, uh, the new, the comeback season. Uh, I think tw was it 20, 20 years later, something like that. Um, and I'm thinking, Oh, here we go. Okay. Here's, here's a chance for me to, to act dramatically because uh, uh, anyone who knows me, you know, I'm a comedic improvise actor and uh, that those are my skill sets. Although I like to think I could do a good job uh, in a drama, but now maybe I'm getting my chance. So I go along to the audition. Now the sides were very minimal. So, and when I say that, I mean the little bit of script they give you to do your audition with, because I didn't want it very top secret at the stage. It was a really uh, a big secret that this, uh, well, it wasn't so big. I think 
as soon as it leaked out that the this phenomenal show was coming back, everyone started talking about it. But yet the ideas for the episodes and of course, you know, they were very, very top secret. So I got these I, like half a piece of paper to look at when I went in there and uh, I delivered these lines. And by the way, the lines in this audition, it was certainly not comedic at all. I think I had to give a little part of the monologue about uh, the fact that I was a human for the first time. It didn't make much sense to me. Um, and I just did the job I thought I could as if it was uh, if I was delivering a, a dramatic performance. And I, um, it was very brief and uh, I walked away and I was uh, called back um, before I got to the car. Uh, the runner came through and he said, um, hey, listen, can you, uh, are you available for these dates? Just checking, you know. And when you get the old, are you available for these dates as an actor, your ears prick up and you think, oh, here we go. Got a good chance here. And then, <laughs> and then I got a call on my way home about the moustache. I had a moustache at the point at that point. And uh, can you, can you, are you willing to lose the moustache? And, you know, for a split second, you think to yourself, oh no, there's no way I'm going to lose that. Sorry. That was, we were so close guys. <laughs> but of course, yes. What moustache? I'm already shaving it as we're driving. Um, but I said, yeah, of course, that's not a problem. And then when I got home, I got another call. <laughs> this is where I'm, I'm already driving home thinking, oh, I've got this. I must have this part. This is, this is amazing. Got another call when I got home saying, hey, listen, we've just had a chat uh, to Darren Morgan, uh, Chris Carter, who, by the way, when I did the audition, were both in the room. They were the only two guys and this, and this you know, assistant. Um, and they said, you don't need to lose the moustache. And I'm thinking, well, hang on, are you telling me I'm, I've got this? And I think I don't even can't remember then. I was, I was so excited with what was going on in my head, getting this massive role, possibly, that I can't remember whether I think that phone call finished. And then I had to you had to get the official one from the agent, uh, from my manager saying uh, that it's yours. But I already knew at that point. I mean, they're checking the dates and, the, and they're, they're shaving my mo and then and then bringing it back. Um so yeah, I got it. Now I later found out that of course, of course I've got that because the the role was for someone who uh was a human for the first time, someone who is sort of naive to the ways of being a human, someone who comes across with empathy, but also you could imagine uh is is possibly from another world or or inhuman in some ways. And that pretty much sums me up. That's that's how I've always felt about myself. Uh so um long story even longer i do the show uh on the day right up to this point of the first day of of acting by the way you know having seen the show you know that my character has a really long monologue in the graveyard with Dukofni, and i was very nervous about that i i normally with with my roles as a as a comic as a comedy actor you know the script is uh there's there's less writing involved and you can play around with it now this writing was so great uh obviously um that i couldn't play with it and i was too scared to even ask if i could so i just had to really learn it so i remember i think I was, yeah, it was vancouver and i was walking around for hours getting it all into my head a lot of a lot of people who haven't been involved in acting always think how do these how do these actors remember all of these lines and i often think that as well because you know i'm not i'm not a great memory guy uh in one ear out the other as my mother always used to say uh so but for this very very big role this is the most 
uh, and I've done a, a few, you know, big, big roles in my life, um, emphasis on the few, but they have been rather big, some of them. Uh, but this, for me personally, was was the biggest because uh, I love the sh- uh, the subject matter, obviously, and to be part of this phenomenon, to be part of the X-Files meant more to me than anything. Uh, it's my jam, baby, uh, as my mother always used to say. So <laughs> it's nice having you on the screen because I can see you laughing. At the moment, when, I I'm, just looking at, when I'm just looking at me, I'm like, what am I doing? Crickets. Yeah, who am I talking to? <laughs> but I'm also used to just talking to myself, so it's not too bad. I get to the graveyard and we start doing the scene and I'm dramaticing it out. I'm like, wow, this, this, look, watch Darby act. Look at this guy. And then Darren goes, uh, Reese, uh, you know, just, just be yourself. Be, you know, you don't need to, because sometimes if you're acting, like you can tell with some people are acting, oh, that guy's acting. Look at the way he, oh, what an actor. But if you, but you can't, you got to lose all that to actually be a good actor. And so, but I didn't think, because by the way, the scene was about me wanting to kill myself. You know, it was a pretty, pretty horrific kind of idea. Um, and the, the viewers at the time aren't sure what this guy's about. Why is he trying, you know, it's, it's so brilliantly written, this episode, that it, it un, it un, unfathoms, unfails, and un, you help me out, Ryan. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, un, yeah. unfurls, unfurls. There we go. Un, unravels. <laughs> unravels. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take that Will one. That work? It unravels throughout the episode that, uh, you know, why he is the way he is. And in fact, he, you know, he's, he's, he wasn't human first. He was, uh, he was uh, lizard first and then uh, or reptilian, I should say, and then became something he didn't want to be. Um, so when, when I got the, when I got the note from Darren to um, have more fun with it, old Reese came out and then the personality came out and then Dukofni you know, had to, it w- was re- was reminded of Flight of the Concords and was he was a little bit starstruck. I'm starstruck by him, obviously. He's a little starstruck by me. We're getting that yeah. both both stars are striking, and <laughs> magic is made. <laughs> wow, man. Well, um, that that ang- that sort of existential question in the episode is what really resonated with me, and it kind of followed you throughout your work. I mean, you have this podcast called aliens like us and uh mm-hmm. that kind of dips into you know these questions in this x-files episode of who are we why are we here um what makes us human uh and why you know the, every, we all we've all asked these questions in our life you know why do i wake up every morning and go to work what could yeah. i be doing what should i be doing to make the world better and uh you know especially right now i think a lot of us are having a lot of time to self reflect in our lives, you know, because we we have the time to do it. So, I mean, there's no better time to go back and kind of ask these questions. And with your podcast, um, first of all, I got to ask, like, where did the title come from? The the different meanings you can give to the title of your show is what really struck me. So um, let's, I guess, let's kind of dive into that. Yeah. You know, moving away from the X-Files, what made you want to do this podcast? You know, I'm into the subject matter, and just even though we're moving away from the X Files, I'll say one more thing about it because you oh, yeah, you, you brought it up there when you're talking about the existentialism of the episode and and how it kind of uh, makes sense, and it's like a uh, it's very relevant right now for our lives and how we're thinking. Um, an interesting, um, I guess, 
part of that, uh, the, the show that was happening for me at the time was that I was questioning, my character was questioning his life, questioning what it means to be a human. And he, he did not like it. He didn't understand why he had to go to work. Uh, he bought the dog, Dagoo, uh, because he felt that that's what you're supposed to do. And that gave him happiness, which, which is why people get pets. And it's, it really, but the, here's the weird thing. Uh, the synchronicity part that freaks me out is that my character, if you remember his job, he, he worked at a, um, a cell phone store. Okay. So that was his now in real life, uh, back in New Zealand for many years. And I've recently, uh, um, done it again. I was the, the face of a cell phone campaign, um, in real life. So the, the, this, this kind of reality meets fiction, uh, blur was, was happening in front of my eyes. I'd of course also in my early years watched the X-Files, X-Files and had imagined meeting, uh, Mulder and Scully. And there I am meeting them, uh, you know, in a, in a porta potty, uh, <laughs> you know, and so for me with the imagination I have, uh, and, and I cross between what is real and what isn't all the time in my head, uh, particularly when I do my stand up. And we can go more into that if there's any questions about that. But I, I've, I've done stand up for, you know, over, over, uh, uh, over 20 years now. Um, and with the stories I tell on stage, they're a mixture of reality plus my imagination extending uh, into unreality to make things funnier than they really are. And I confuse the audience quite often on, you know, did this really happen? How much of this is true? They always walk away and sometimes question me, did that really happen? I mean, that's a thing with some, with a usual thing with stand ups, but for me, it can be way more mystical because I'll be talking about mermaids or jetpacks. And there's, there's like, I think, you know, knowing Reese, maybe that did happen. Right. And so, and, and some of it to a certain degree has, you know, and, the, and these kind of occurrences, but, um, here I go again with this 20 minute going off in a different direction thing, Love it, but, but to pull it back, to pull it back, um, I will say that, yeah, the, the synchronicity, the universe, uh, making these decisions for me, putting me in a, in that character position, putting me in that show and for that show to be a fantastic episode which, you know, they are hit and miss. And for me to oh, be, yeah. luckily, in one that was historically, you know, it, it was is going to stand up, was just out of this world, which is a cool thing to say on your show. And, of, you know, I knew and, we'd make it in there soon. <laughs> <laughs> There's your soundbite. Well, I have to, first, I have to agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, people love or hate the, the reboot of the X-Files, but um, mm. I think that episode you guys did... Uh, it probably saved that entire season. And I think the same could be said for the following season with their uh, Darren Morgan episode in that season. Those oh, are what wow. people like. That's yeah. what they crave. You yeah, know, Monster of we the Week. So- Monster of the Week, exactly. Yeah. Literal Monster of the Week. So, um, no, I think it's it's amazing. I, I love how it kind of bleeds into different parts of your life. And um, I it kind of reminds me there's – uh, there's a quote I used to always go back to with um, John Keel. And uh, it, it's something, I don't know it verbatim, but he says, if you stare far enough out into the sky, you'll eventually see the back of your own head. Oh, and I wow. always yeah, like, I know that one. Yeah. Dude, that always blew my mind. Cause I think it's right. The more we search for answers, 
and um, get involved with this UFO thing or the paranormal, the more we're looking for our own importance, our own uh, uh, our own answers in all this. I mean, I've told people, yeah. you know, there's that altruistic sense of, yeah, I want answers for the public on what UFOs are and whatnot. But honestly, I want those answers for myself, first and foremost. I want to know what happened to me or why I saw this or what it all yeah. means. And I think that's what it, it always comes back to us. Like you said, like I it's like always that. putting that mirror back on us. Yeah, it is. And the answers that you seek and hopefully you find are the answers that are personable to you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, will you, will, will we ever solve this mystery? Well, maybe, maybe not as a, uh, not as humanity, but individually, we might be able to solve it for ourselves in our own head, what we think they are. And I, you know, I just from reading, I've been reading your book, Ryan. I've got it here with me, obviously. Great book, and and it, it's thought provoking because of the personal touches that you uh, deal with in here. Because the because rather than the um, nuts and bolts kind of what is this thing, what was the speed, what was the height, uh, it's it's our own personal thoughts these eyewitnesses, what it means to them. And, and it gets you thinking because what do we have if we don't have the answers already inside our own brains and we just need those doors to open up. And that's where we feel uh, that the, the mysteries can possibly be solved. Absolutely, man. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I have to agree. I mean, that's why I wrote the book. I, I of course I care about what they saw and mm. detail. Cause you know, we want to figure out what it was, but end of the day, like how did it impact them? How did it change them? And uh, we'll talk later about, you know, that capital D disclosure, but uh, I think, you know, every person who sees something or experiences something, that's a personal disclosure for them. So um, yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate your outlook on that and um, kind of tying it back to uh, to the podcast. Can you tell us how oh, it, yes. yeah, how it came to be? <laughs> well, man, we will get there. Baby yeah, steps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew there was something. There's something. There's a reason <laughs> we're here, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, aliens like us. How did, who, who did you do this okay. with? Um, to, yeah, give oh. us a, the origin of that. Okay, so cool. So I have this... Previous to that, I have a podcast called The Cryptid Factor. Right. And right. I've been doing that since 2008 with my friend Leon, uh, who was known as Buttons on the show because he pushes all the buttons because he's the, he's the tech. He's the, uh, the producer on, on, uh, on the day, pulling cables, uh, setting the levels and of course editing the whole thing. So he's kind of the brains of the network. And we started off with David Ferrier. Uh, and then in later years, we have uh, we, the the band has changed, uh, and we've got Dan Schreiber. Now that that podcast, uh, you know, that always has and always will be, um, un- until we actually get some cash coming to us, uh, a hobby, and we love it. Now we've got you know busy careers, so it was a really just an excuse as we started off to get away from the wives for an hour on a Saturday. Uh, now, I can tell you the, the whole crazy history of the cryptid factor, but we probably don't have time. But to transition forward in time to now, uh, recently, Spotify coming to me and saying, hey, would you like to do a, a podcast? Uh, we need a, a comedy podcast, but also I hear you're into weird stuff. I said, yeah, sure. I mean, um, I can do I haven't done one on uh, particularly on on aliens or, or, or ufology. Um, I've done stuff on cryptids. Um, 
but I could, I was, I'm very interested in, and I'm sort of, I was sort of mid, not transitioning more into that field, but certainly opening my own paranormal field up to include ufology more than I had in the past. So I was excited about that idea. Um, and I said to, I said to Spotify, I won't put any, I won't give any specific names. I'll just call the people Spotify. Uh, I said to Spotify, I said, listen, spots, uh, I've got, uh, a friend that I work with that I, I really need to bounce off. I've got to have buttons. And so Spotify is like, all right, uh, oh, I suppose so. And then then they uh, connected me up with another chap, an American, uh, Ethan. And so um, next thing you know, we've got our team. And uh, I came up with the name. We, we you know, it was, it was up to me. It was my, my show. So I, I thought about it for a long time. Um, one of my favorite movies was Spies Like Us. Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. that? Uh, I I, I needed a catchy name and of course I love wordplay so aliens like us just made total sense to me when it came I thought oh that's it because not only do aliens actually like us hopefully um, aliens are like us and also of course Buttons and I uh, were aliens in America aliens uh, um, by proxy of our position in the country so it just made total sense uh, and then it came down to, um, yeah, getting it done, 10 episodes, uh, getting uh, – now Spotify came came on board very um, hands-on uh, with regards to needing uh, templates, needing almost not so much scripts, but certainly a lot of, a lot of paperwork of what we were doing. Now, in the past, as, as I've already told you today, I'm very loosey-goosey. Uh, the most work I've ever done with buttons in terms of uh, organizing things by writing things down was he would do a pie graph uh, in his book and he would go, right, so we've got we'll do 80% of the show, we'll do this, then we'll do this. And then the the, the only other stuff we, we really concentrated on was um, uh, recording uh, funny stings to, to cut in between the segments. Um, so I wanted to maintain that we did that in the show and uh, Ethan's good with uh, music and has some friends that can uh, do a bit of, uh, have got some gnarly keyboard skills. So we thought we could throw a bit of that in there. And really the, the difficult thing was to make a podcast that has comedy, uh, is silly, but also deals with a subject matter that is important. But regardless, some people still think is kooky and, and, and you know, and, and, and ridiculous. Uh, and yet I wanted to pull in my my audience and also um, uh, through comedy and get them to open their mind up and also believe that there is stuff out there that is happening. And uh, it just so happened that, you know, in the last few years, uh, the world was transitioning from it being a subject that people didn't really bother to take seriously to now, uh, thanks to all the, you know, the major news articles and the proof that's coming out about the existence of UFOs to be something that is real and that we actually do have to go, Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, 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 heck. Um, yeah. Yeah. The joke's <laughs> over. So, so kind of, uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, so it was good timing on all those, on all those, uh, with all those elements, and but the other important thing that what I and which I will be forever thankful for Spotify for for ensuring is that we you know we got some good quality guests, uh, some of the some of the top people in the field to uh, who, who by the way you know have a sense of humor and who are who may may know me they didn't all know of of my what I what I've been up to, uh, but 
a lot of them, you know, were fans of a certain degree and they were willing to um, to come on board and and say their stuff. Um, and so that, that's how the show came into being. Yeah. And I mean, that that's a really good thing to bring up, Reese, is um, that balance. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about the weirdest shit in the world. Like if yeah. we can't have fun with that, yeah. what's the point? I mean, I'm, and I know I'm, uh, I'm drawing back to my own personal experiences, but I did a, um, a panel discussion with um, Kumail Nanjiani, who was in your episode yeah. of the X-Files um, out in LA. I did a panel with him all about UFOs. And I'm going in thinking like, this is, they're going to be bashing me the whole time. Like, this is just going to be like, but, yeah. but I was ready. I was yeah. ready to like do it. And dude, I mean, I got there and they could not have been more serious about it, which right. I super appreciated, you know, that um, like you said, this is a topic that deserves a legitimate study. And it now yeah. is by the US government and governments around the world. But at the same time, like, come on, when you're talking to, and I do want to ask you about the contacting mailbox in a minute, but um, we're dealing with some crazy ass stuff. And if you can't laugh about it, um, what's the point? And a lot of these experiencers, they fully recognize how crazy yeah. their stories yeah. sound, you know? So I think that's a big part of it too. It helps if they have a sense of humor, because if you, so it's got, it got a, a few um, bad reputations in the past from people being so super serious about it and that they're yet they're, they're talking about things that are, uh, are so weird that it, it almost became a little inhuman not to uh, question yourself and have a little joke about the fact that I saw this crazy thing and it didn't make any sense. Um, and so I, I feel uh, as an aside that humor in general um, connects us together. And I've traveled around the world and done gigs and been in countries where I cannot speak the language. And that's pretty much all of them that don't speak English. Um, and yet I've been able to um, connect through humor. And so that that's really, it's really important. Absolutely. I think that humor and comedy brings us closer together than pretty much anything in mm. the world. Um, and these profound questions we ask with UFOs too. So um, I want to talk about a couple of these guests you've had on. Now, this one really surprised me when I first heard the episode. Uh, Paco Chirichi, the first guy to go public about the Tic Tac UFO event. Like, how did you get this interview? And um, what did you make of his story? It's incredible. Well, he was, he was super cool. Uh, yeah. You know, he was a U.S. Navy fighter pilot, um, X, I believe, uh, but he was willing to come in. He had a, a book he was uh, promoting as well, which always helps. And then it comes down to that's another good thing about being attached to Spotify was that you've got people in the uh, in the admin realm who are pulling strings for you and organizing things which is something once again that buttons and buttons and i especially me uh it's not our it's not my area of expertise i'm not going to go get on the phone to people and go hey man can you get on my show i mean i'm sure you do ryan but uh you know it's not my i you know i, I don't want to say i've got people to do that for me but you know i've got people to do that for me uh so <laughs> so we got him um and it's really there's no, nothing beats the horse's mouth and when you hear uh, someone who's first of all that as 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 boys on this podcast we're in awe with because the guy was a fighter pilot, 
uh, flowing Tomcats and things like that. And by the way, I told you at the start, I was in the Air Training Corps as a 12-year-old. My dream was to be a fighter pilot. So I'm already sitting here fizzing going, wow, you're you're what I wanted to be. I couldn't be it because I was no good at physics. I'm an idiot. I, I'm, I, I, can't, I can barely do maths. So wh- why you have to be great at that kind of stuff to be a fighter pilot, I, I don't know. But, you know, you do, and I'm glad you do because they're, they're, these guys are super smart. You know, they're not just – they're not me. They're not. Uh, they're not uh, leaving school and jumping in a jet plane um, and and traveling at those speeds. And and they have super lightning fast reactions, and their brains work really super fast. So I think to and and uh, uh, us regulars can't quite even fathom that that if, just pilots in general uh, uh, have got to be really onto it. But these ones that fire these supersonic things up in the sky, and they when when they see these things. And they talk about these things that they see, you know, they're not making that up. And so we, we have to respect that. And I, re- and I respected uh, what he was saying and, and the fact, but also being ex-military myself, I could connect with the idea that uh, it's, it's definitely a bit of a boys club and we like, we rib each other. And uh, you know, there's obviously it's, it's men and women, but as in general and the women are the same, uh, they're, they're, they're tough. We're tough, tough customers. And we like to um, mock each other and stuff in the in, in the in the military, and we kind of uh, this this competitive nature. And so, if you were to say something like, "I, I saw a UFO," you know, people are going to laugh, and they're going to, um, yeah. There's there's that sort of it, it's they're they're tough characters, and so for that to then become uh, truth and to be an accepted truth uh, in that institution to begin with is is a real solid um advancement yeah yeah absolutely i think the the we have to stress that point too that these are trained observers and like you said um that ridicule factor has been in the military for a long time you don't report these things same with commercial pilots i mean i go back to you know the um the the japan airlines case where the pilot reported the ufo when he got to the ground and then he was put on desk duty for the rest of his career like that's so sad, man. He yeah, reports yeah, one yeah. UFO. They think he's nuts, and he never flies again. So, I mean, I I totally get why a a Top Gun pilot would not report a UFO because, like you said, all the other pilots are going to be like, "Oh, wow, you couldn't outmaneuver that, or you couldn't think quick enough, or you're totally yeah. it was a glare in your, you know, the yeah. uh, the dome of your plane. Like, or worse, you're looking for attention. Um, right, right. You know right. what I mean? Uh, yeah. In fact, you know what? I just had a, an idea there. I would love for this to happen. I don't think it will, but you know the new Top Gun that's that's coming out, which yeah. I think every, I'm excited about. Um, wouldn't it be great if there was a UAP in there uh, that Maverick catches out the corner of his eye or something, or there's a there's a Tic Tac? It would be such right. an amazing reference. I hope Dude. they. I, I don't think they would do it, but that would be great. I remember. I think it was um, my English class in like middle school where i wrote a sequel to top gun and it was like it was maverick going to hunt down saddam hussein in a uh what do you call those the stealth fighter oh yeah so so when i saw that this new one was coming out i'm like oh there goes my plan of writing (laughs) well you don't know that could be the plot you could have i hope you didn't leave that script lying anywhere i know my teacher probably gave it to him man but hey no that's a good point i mean um you know the fact that 
that this could be making its way more into the mainstream. I mean, every time I turn on the TV, someone's talking about like the Tic Tac UFO or this mm. or that. And um, it's not a world I ever thought we'd live in where, you know, the U.S. government would be seriously investigating this, which we'll get to. But um, the the next guest I want to talk to you about is, um, okay, so this book, the the book cover is just burned into my memory, terrified me as a kid. Oh, and yeah. uh, that's communion. Yeah. So I got to ask you, what was it like interviewing probably the most famous UFO alien abductee of all time, Whitley Strieber? And uh, what do you make of his whole story? I mean, it's it continues even up until this day. So, yeah. What do you think? It, it was it was fascinating. Uh, so that one was hands on buttons and I in um, contact in the desert in a small room, you know, actually sitting right at a table with Whitley and he, you know, as, as you as you know from the interview, we got to feel the back of his ear where this bump was, where he had this implant, which he, I believe is yeah, like it's, it's still in there. And he freaked us out with the 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 point of where it moved. And what I found fascinating with his story was that he he was not saying that they were aliens in a sense that they he didn't know what they were. Um, but that he that, that that it was ongoing, and that there's that whole point of and people will argue against this with the the will of wanting it to happen. Um, his uh, wife had passed away, if I remember correctly, uh, and then the idea that he'd written science fiction books up until that point, and so you've got that thing whereby people are like, "Oh, come on, he's this is just the next level of his uh, imagination." Um, but so that's in the that plays in the back of your mind when you're talking to the guy. But I've spoken to a lot of people, and as you have as well, and there's nothing better than actually being face to face over the phone. You know, you can't tell, but when you're there, and I read people for a for a living as a comic because I'm on stage and I have to read audiences and I have to fathom how they're feeling and whether my stuff's going to come across. And when the room is different, when there's a uh, there's too many drunks or when there's uh, the lights aren't good enough and the mic's not quite right. I have to adjust my performance and, and I have to be able to, and I take a little bit of pride in the fact that I'm a good judge of character in, in terms of that. I think, you know, I think performers have to be in a, in a way because otherwise you misjudge what you're doing and you, you know, you're going to bomb or you, right. you know, you're, 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 you know, and that, and that is that essentially is my job is to, is to, uh, is to be is to be great and to be able to do that as an entertainer i have to i have to read uh and so i'm sitting here reading this guy and uh you know it's it's um it's genuine to me and buttons is always he's full of joy and very we're both a couple of kind of young well young i say young you're getting on a bit now but young in the head uh which i think is a very healthy thing uh you know always open open for uh fantastic tales want to be astonished but uh we're not so loopy that we're not grounded um you know buttons is a ceo of a huge company and you know um well you know what i do uh <laughs> i'm an actor I, i'm a comedian so that's not very grounding but um i yeah so i i really i believed what he was saying and um and it was it was spooky and by the way, communion, yeah, the book and the movie really, uh, really 
really spooky stuff like that kind of stuff uh it gets you uh the hairs on the back of your neck standing up because there's a sense of evilness to it that that's the worry and we don't want that but that is part of alien law is that you know we, we're not sure how much of it uh first of all is true but secondly uh if it is how much of it is uh has bad intent and mm-hmm. whether and whether what they're actually doing to us and manipulating us in certain ways and so all of that was coming into play when when we spoke to this guy and feeling feeling the thing behind his ear dude it was like next level i've done some pretty cool things in my life but that was one of feeling someone's implant i mean i i highly recommend it i gave it a little, like i said i gave it a little tickle yeah you had to see how yeah. it reacts <laughs> Man, i i completely agree with you you know for the book i interviewed hundreds of people and maybe there's like 40 in there i don't know how many but um there's nothing like being face to face with these people and like you said I always get asked the question, well, do you believe everyone that you Mm. write about? And my, I guess, safe answer is I believe these people believe what happened. Yeah. You know, and some might find that passive. But at the end of the day, like I wasn't there. I wasn't there when Whitley Strieber had these experiences. I can't say if it happened or not. But look, I mean, these are supposedly mentally stable individuals as, Mm. you know, someone like John Mack, the Harvard psychiatrist who looked into alien abductions he he did a huge study and he said these people were not, you know, this wasn't abuse as a child. This is not a fantasy prone individual. Like mm. these are stable individuals who have never had an interest in UFOs or aliens or any of that. And they're reporting these things. So I have to agree with you. Yeah. Like judgment of character is a big thing. The other thing I'll say is that, you know, nobody wants to be ridiculed. You don't right. set yourself up in life to go, oh, I can't wait to get ridiculed from this. So, And it's not about selling books because, yeah, yeah, he's already a successful bookseller and you're not going to, uh, you know, there are other things you can do. Putting yourself out there to have people poke fun of you. Uh, And I've been I've I've been ridiculed many times as a as at school as a, you know, a a little bit of bullying or, you know, I was the class clown, but um, I've been made fun of and. It's it's not fun. You don't want to set yourself up for that. Um, yeah. But when there's something inside of you that is that is true, that is um, burning inside of you, that you need to get out there, and and you're helping other people who have experiences as well, then you know you've got to do it. And I take my hat off to any one of these experiences uh, uh, contactees uh, that have uh, that have gone on the table and and have spoken about their experience. That's a that's an outstanding thing to do. And, and you've got to, you've got to respect that. Yeah. I, the first thing I learned when I got into this, this crazy world is uh, of UFOs is uh, to have empathy for sure. Yeah. Like you don't know this person's life. You don't know their history. You can't come in with these preconceived notions because like you said, you know, just being face to face changes everything. I remember, you know, watching a woman break down in tears with her husband when she was retelling me her story of a quote unquote abduction experience. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like, man, like what the hell am I doing? I'm like sitting here hoping I'm going to hear a really cool alien abduction story, but this event traumatized this woman. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a good one because that makes you, yeah. Opens it up for you and you, you realize that, you know, you know uh, it's not just, 
for my and other people's entertainment. This is right. fully affecting some people. And, uh, and so that, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to that end that I still managed to get those contactee uh, mailboxes into what is essentially uh, a show that is, has a lot of comedy in it. So that, I yeah. think the roller coasterness, uh, if that's a term, the roller coasterness of, of <laughs> it is of, now of listening to that show, um, yeah, speaks volumes because you're like, you're shocked, you're laughing, you're upset, and then it's the credits. Yeah, right, man. Yeah. Good point. I mean, and it is a whiplash, you know, which I appreciate about uh, your show. Like you mentioned, the the contacting mailbag is where people can uh, submit their stories. Am I correct on your show? Yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing there was my wife dealt with all of those. So, um, and that was basically they left a message. I think she spoke to them, um, but it was it was set aside from the three of us guys who were who were functioning as, as hosts and we would then and grab it and so w- w- often when we listened to the contact email box the first time was when it was put into the show and so that that made it it, it helps with these types of shows if we can and i learned that from the cryptid factor uh is that if we can spook each other out uh it's great because we're all like we're we're kind of on the same level as the listeners. And we're like, whoa, okay. UFOs seem to be invading both our skies and our news outlets like never before. And more people are starting to look up and are wondering who or what might be out there. In 2016, Ryan Sprague introduced the world to countless UFO encounters that had never been made public before. And now... In the second edition of his book, he revisits these events and introduces brand new UFO cases in Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to the UFO phenomenon. How have these events changed the lives of those involved? And what might it tell us about the phenomenon? With in-depth follow-ups, brand new chapters, and detailed testimony from credible witnesses and insight from those in the psychological, academic, and scientific fields, Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to the UFO phenomenon weaves together a story of stories, attempting to get to the heart of these mysteries one experience at a time. Available now on Amazon in both paperback and ebook. To learn more, visit somewhereintheskies.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So sort of the last uh, episode I really want to cover with you, Reese, of uh, your podcast is your interview with Dr. Michael Masters. Now, I know this is kind of a running, uh, a running gag in your show with your co-hosts about, um, about aliens being us from the future. And this is this like this concept blew my mind when I first heard about it. I think one of the dudes from the, the Rendlesham Forest incident might have talked about this, but what do you make of um, what this doctor's brought forward that uh, aliens could be us in the future? Yeah. So this has really grown on me. Now, when I first heard this, and to be honest, Buttons was the first one who uh, brought this theory to my attention um, a few years ago. And I always mock him. Uh, we're best buddies. So we're laughing at each other. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. It's us from the future. Come on. And, you know, he he, he would say that uh, you know, millions of years. So we've evolved to this point. That's why we look the way we do. And, you know, there was some, it was this started to uh, make sense in some, in some ways, but the real uh, issue I had with it was if time travel um, became a thing, then uh, we would have it now. It's it's that whole dichotomy of you know when when does it happen, and if it does happen, then surely it's going to happen constantly. Um, look, I'm no scientist. Um, I've watched Back to the Future a few times, but that's about my that's about my experience uh, in it. Now, um, fast forward to uh, Dr. Michael P. Masters and. He really has some good things to say about it. He, he delivers a great interview. He does lectures on this. Buttons and him have been talking uh, uh, many times. Uh, they're both big fans of the concept. And I've got to say, uh, you know, they, they swayed me towards it because th- th- this, this concept has been brought up uh, and, and, and certainly in recent years, and it's becoming more and more believable. Uh, and so... Yeah, I kind of, I, I don't want to, I, I'm not 100% in on it, but I'm kind of, I'm swayed towards it because let's be honest, uh, we're running out of uh, of answers and we've been trying to answer this this big mystery um, since, since, the, since the 40s. And who knows, even before then, when people didn't know what to call these things, whether they'd be called uh, angels or goblins or fairies, it's the other. It's where they're coming from. And so, yeah, I think um, it's got some it's got some truth. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, again, like and who's to say we're dealing with one thing? It could be interdimensional. It could be, you know, yeah, there isn't one answer. There is not one answer. And I think my answer would be is that there is so many 
different concepts that could be uh, the answer and that there's definitely more answers than one. I, and I was thinking today about the things, the the orbs, the things that uh, the lights, just the simple lights that people are seeing. They're not seeing anything behind the light, um, you know, maybe because it's too far away or there's a series of lights there's got to be more than one answer. And, and one, of those, one of those answers uh, is it could be us from the future. It could be us traveling in different timelines. It, interdimensional is a big one for me. I'm really a believer in that. But I'm also a believer in the fact that some of these objects could just be organic themselves. They could be spirits. They could be, that could be returning from another dimension that, that it's not an actual physical object. It's just it's an energy and it's watching you. Uh, the, the fact that people have recurring um, experiences that they see one and then a few months later or years later, they'll see one again or they'll see and, the, and it keeps following them throughout their life means it could be connect. It's got to be connected to that person. So it's got to be maybe in the family line. It's got to be a spirit from another dimension that is uh, coming back and messaging you or keeping an eye on you. So, and you talk about, so that the spiritual nature of that, and I'm, as I say, I'm not into ghosts, but it's got to be, there's got to be a connection there. And, and yet that, so that has a strong um, uh, kind of weight behind it. And then you've got the metallic craft, which is a completely different scenario, but yet those things are real as well. So, and then, and then you throw Tic Tacs in the mix and you think, what, what the hell is that shape? What does that signify? Is, and there can't be anything inside it because, well, if there is, it's certainly not human at those speeds and those velocities and what they're doing. So, if there is, is had we have we advanced this far in the millions and millions of years in the future that we can withstand that, or is there some sort of energy within inside the tic tac that enables us not to feel it? But think about it: we've already started not flying in things because we've got the drones. We're now going to have uh, the next few battles um, are going to be drone versus drone. They did a, a dogfight recently with uh, I think it was the F sixteen versus the the drone F sixteen. And the and the drone kicked its ass. So that's now. It's 2020. Where where the and and you know uh, I'm talking about jet fighter pilots and how I uh, I would love to be one. That that job's going to be running out. Uh, I th- I think. Um, so when you think about it that way, there isn't there prop. If if it is future us, it's we're not in those things. That we've just sent those back. And maybe that particular shape is something that goes through the uh, the, the 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 rift in the uh, time space continuum. Um, who knows? And the fact that they're squiggly, they move these squiggly things. And when I saw one up in up in the space through the binoculars, it did the squiggly moves. Like I said to you, like a like a like a hot rod doing a donut, spinning around yeah. and then squiggling out. I was like, what what's with the squiggles? <laughs> uh, but then <laughs> that's when you your number one question, yeah. <laughs> But when you get something in your eye, and I, I was shot as a kid uh, with a uh, um, my mate uh, had one of these um, little. We used to make guns. We used to use the the, the rubber fingers from a from a rubber gl- a glove, and we'd attach it to um, you know a little um, uh, plastic uh, canister, uh, like a tube, and we'd yeah. put little little monkey apples in there, and we'd. Uh, or bits of chalk, and I got I got shot by a bit of chalk. I don't, we were crazy, you know what young boys are like. And we'd we'd run around, and this uh, this is before I joined the army, but I was you know, I was heading towards that way. We'd run around in the forest and would shoot each other. I got shot in the eye with this little tiny bit of chalk, and and to this day, there's still a thing that's in my eyeball that that moves around, and when I'm looking, it's it sort of squiggles about a bit, and uh, very similar movements to. 
to the UFOs that people sometimes see. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe that's what it, maybe the, maybe the earth is just one big giant eyeball and there's a few <laughs> squiggles. There's a few things that are being shot at it and they're just sort of floating there and then they, they disappear. Um, I don't know. That's pretty out there, but I think, Hey, <laughs> it's, it's just as plausible as any other theory out there when it comes to this topic. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you did mention, um, you know, forties, uh, the nineteen forties, and mm-hmm. I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, let's take, for instance, the famous Roswell UFO incident, nineteen forty-seven. Uh, we're now hearing from the New York Times that the Pentagon has been briefed on off-world vehicles. They're calling. Yeah, them. right. Yeah. What do you make of this, man? Our own government saying there's possibly materials out there from something not from this earth and uh do you think these things have actually crashed on our planet and that we have i don't know bob lazard them have we reverse engineered these things or yeah have these craft actually crashed is my question i guess yeah i think so i think i think we kind of i i believe the roswell uh crash i think um something of that nature something so huge in our uh human folklore uh has got to come from from uh from a truth base because it's it's still there we still talk about it and it hasn't been debunked and you know and and of course it's it's also very difficult to debunk it's 1947 and and but the debates will go on and on till the cows come home as my mother used to say but uh uh so i think if you're going to be in this subject matter you, you know you you can't can't be in this realm of our of our belief that we and the things we chat about without saying that you believe in that i i mean we can't we can't have ufo podcasts and go but you know what roswell was a step too far uh (laughs) so we so from the very base level you know that that is that is a definite happening and then if you believe that then of course you've got to believe reverse engineering you've got to believe uh and i'm i'm in the and i know you are too in the bob lazar camp because it just I just part of it is because I want to believe X Files, uh, and also, <laughs> and also because I think um, it's uh, and I'll be honest with you, it's just exciting for me. And I think I love the unknown, and I love that, uh, and I trust knowing that I was in the military myself, and that you know there are secrets that are kept in governments. I was I had top secret vetting when I was a signaler, so I was privy to um, you know things that weren't allowed. Uh, that were beyond classified. It was top secret. Um, and there was, by the way, before you ask, there was nothing too exciting to reveal there. <laughs> this is New Zealand. But, you know, I had to sign, I had to sign a lot of stuff and uh, they did a lot of background searching on me and stuff. And uh, it probably did freak them out when they realized, hang on, you were a mistake. You weren't even supposed to be born. Uh, but... <laughs> That's on the record, right? In your on your birth certificate. Yeah, maybe that's why they led me in. I'm like, I'm like, but um, uh, what was I saying? You know me, Ryan. Yeah, what were we saying? Oh, uh, UFO crashes, like oh yeah, or reverse engineering. Like we we have that hunger to continue believing it because that's what keeps us going. It's taken this long for them to kind of admit it now, and with the off-world vehicles, that's there's your admission right there. And this disclosure that we're that we're currently in with the small D, uh, as uh, Richard Dolan likes to say, big Richard Dolan fan, by the way. Uh, I think if you're going to be in ufology, uh, you know, to to have someone of his uh, of 
taking the the history of it and taking the the complete knowledge of all the cases and stuff like that he does is so important in our field and i know there's a few dudes like that but um i like i like that guy um uh it gives so much legitimacy to this thing and i think um i'm excited about about next year i'm i i hate this year because everyone does it's 2020 and it's shit but the things that have come out of it from us sitting on our asses trapped in our houses has been positive and 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 in some ways for the for the mind because we're we're exp- but in and to that degree there's been a lot of negativity in conspiracy theories and people spending way too much time on the internet and getting really unhealthy and yeah. i feel sorry for those people i don't know about you but like we've all lost or know someone who's lost a friend because of their beliefs over the over this year and we go what i didn't know you okay you're into and so we go oh i can't talk to them so much anymore and that that's been happening um because of the goddamn internet and uh you've got to be really careful what you what rabbit holes you fall down and and i even felt that i know i'm spinning off into more tangents now but that i think the listeners are getting used to it is that uh (laughs) is that that's one of the things with with ufology is that there are dark rabbit holes there that you can fall into. And, and even when you go to co- uh, conferences like contact in the desert, that there's some people that, you know, aren't legit or they're, or they're springing forth cultish type uh, references and, and storylines uh, and, and for want of a better word, bullshit that are suckering people in uh, people like me who want the unknown, who feel they don't belong, who are looking for weirdness and so you've really got to have your head together and you've also got to have friends and keep, keep your people close. And so, and springboard each other with, what do you think about that? And, and like, that's why I have buttons and I have like guys that, and Dan Schreiber um, and Faria that we kind of, uh, if I might be thinking about something and I'll spring it to them and they'll go, Oh, now that's, I don't know about that. And we'll, and you've got to, and then do a bit more research. But when things start to go dark, that's a good sign that you should pull out a bit. And as a, as a comic and as an entertainer, I, I love to keep things light because I think we need to talk about this, but we need to, we need to, um, we need to be happy, especially in these times. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just say that kind of stuff. I think it's important. It, it's very important. And I'm so happy you brought it up. I mean, I get, I get emails every day from people, you oh, know, you yeah. whether it's anti-vaxxers or QAnon yeah. or all this yeah. complete and utter bullshit and i'm not afraid to say that um it's dangerous you know these are the type of people who shoot up pizza shops and um drink bleach and you know to cure viruses and look uh, we talk about ufos of course we believe there are conspiracies but when it gets to the point where people are dying because of these unsubstantiated claims and uh disinformation that's a problem so i'm glad Mm. to hear you say that um i always I always promote critical thinking on my show, which a lot of this conspiracy theory lacks nowadays when once yeah. it was, it was a way to like, you know, exercise your, your thinking skills and your common sense and your critical thinking. And now it's become the complete opposite of what it once was. And look, I understand people are scared. You know, we live in uncertain times and uh, there are people who will take advantage of that and yeah. tell you what to believe. And yeah. you will pay them for that information. So I, I agree with you. You know, I, I always struggle with these UFO conferences that I go to where you've got 
a military pilot up there talking about a Tic Tac UFO that's documented. Mm. And then you have someone who says, I've met 183 races of aliens. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they're, you know, this. And I struggle, you know. And don't yeah, get me I, wrong, because there's a there's a fun part to that. And as, oh, a, as, as an actor and as a, as a guy who, who loves Mork from Mork, you know, I'm excited about that kind of right. thing. But you've got to take a strong bag of salt with you, not just a grain. Um, and you've got to flick it over your shoulder every five minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point, man. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that because it, it, it is something I think that has drastically affected the United States in particular when it comes to mm-hmm. politics and how we're dealing with things going on in the world. But um, that's a whole other rabbit hole we won't go down. But I do <laughs> want to uh, yeah, I do want to get to some listener questions here if you're game for that. Yeah, sure. Awesome, awesome. And it's up to you how in-depth you want to get with these, brother. I know you're a busy man. But um, let's start with this one. It kind of ties into what we were just talking about, about cultish figures and whatnot. Um, Tor from Patreon asks me, uh, the narratives people go by in ufology very greatly, like we talked about. You know, um, we've got Tom DeLong and everything this guy's doing, talking about uh, UFOs are a potential threat. And then on the other side, you've got these individuals like Stephen Greer, um, I who I'm sure you're familiar him. with. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, saying the antithesis, you know, aliens are peaceful then um, they're here for good reasons. So uh, how do we decipher between these two narratives and is the answer somewhere in between or what do you think personally about these extremely drastic uh, extremes that we see in the UFO field? I, I think the answer definitely is somewhere in between and it's yeah. important to have both ends of the spectrum. And you've got to remember that the United States, as uh, formerly and right up until recently, I believe, you know, I mean, this is an argumentative position, but, you know, being the biggest superpower in the world uh, always is on the front foot with defense. And they have to, they've got to keep their big walls of Rome protected so it doesn't implode. And, you know, lately, you know, it has been. And I think um that's why they're on the front foot rightfully so defense wise on what are these things and are they a threat and of course that makes total sense now if this was new zealand uh and it helps having me you know i'm from i'm from the shire i'm from a little uh, uh, you know uh, island uh in the south pacific um set of islands i should say um but uh we we wouldn't be, uh, you know, as worried defense-wise about these things um, because, you know, well, what are we protecting? Um, a lot of a lot of sheep and cows and some and some great visual effects artists in Wellington. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, so I can understand that threat part of it, and and that that that's good because. But here's here's my here's my other thoughts on that. If that was if they were truly a threat, a threat, we'd all be dead by now. Or they would have already taken over. Come on, let's be Good honest. Point. 1947 was the first crash landing. Uh, you know, it's not going to take them. How, how much recon are they doing? You know, and this comes yeah. back to my old military days. I know what it's like to go on a recon. You do one, you get your you you, you get all the um, the stuff you need, uh, uh, and then you return that night in the dead of the night, and you invade and and you win. Uh, so the fact that that hasn't happened makes me believe that we can shift things slightly more towards the Stephen Greer idea that it's a consciousness that these things, uh, we just need to, and I love this idea that we can all connect through meditation and, and that we are all one. Now that uh, it could have been, 
what's the James Cameron movie? Avatar. It could be that I'm a big yeah, Avatar yeah. fan, but that that they talk about that there, and um, it makes total sense because all living things, you know that the old adage of you, you know what your pets are thinking. You, yeah. you, you. When you when you come home, your dog's excited to see you. We connect with uh, other sentient beings uh, without, you know, communication, and mm-hmm. that's through 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 the mind and through the head. And the more we advance ourselves, the more we're going to open up those uh, extra parts of our brain that are going to enable us to uh, mind read each other. Now, you know, we can then go into uh, technology trying to help with that i.e. musk you know chuck a chuck a thing on a pig and next thing you know you're fast forwarding your memories i mean that's that's people i know people are freaking out about that but there is something to be said about um not needing that and look i'm not a big greer follower i i mean i know what he's i know what he does and look i've, I've barely uh, meditated in my life because it's just not who i am but i'm i'm willing to understand it and i know i know about the dmt stuff and um, i mean look i've done magic mushrooms uh it was an accident uh no it wasn't uh but i nearly ate, i nearly ate my shoe uh i thought it was made of chocolate <laughs> oh that's another story um so yeah just to answer the, the 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 question to to round things up i think it's um it's definitely in the middle there but um i can understand both ends of the spectrum and i think we should be more concentrating on the yeah the thought processes of our brain and what and how we can connect to these things via things like uh, telepathy and, and and extreme meditation and things like that. But uh, at the same time, haven't done it, too scared to do it. I'd rather just write jokes and act. Yep. You know what I mean? But I'm interested. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm terrified of, of taking anything to alter my perception. Um, a, cause I don't think personally, physically I could handle it and B, <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm, there's always that fear of like, what if I what if you do can't come back? Yeah. yeah. What if I can't come back? Exactly. So no, I think you're right though. I think, you know, re- remaining open to the possibility. I mean, I had a woman on a couple of weeks ago who talked all about the consciousness uh, right. aspect of all this and um, the U S government using remote viewers to, oh, yeah. To get hostages out of Iran. Yeah, man. I believe it's real. Yeah. And I think, again, like it's stuff I'm willing to entertain the more I realize how not set in stone the world is in front of me. Um, So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I do agree. I think the answer um, is somewhere in between both of those. But uh, we don't know what it is. So, of course, our military is always going to look at it as a potential threat. So I think that's important too. Yeah. you know, um, it'll always be there, but hopefully they're uh, going to come save us soon. Uh, <laughs> if anything, but um, all right, here's our next one. Bigfoot society. Uh, this is another really popular podcast in the, uh, the Sasquatch realm. Uh, he asks on Twitter, what's the one guest you want to interview? If uh, aliens like us gets a second season, we'll get to that. Um, who would you want to interview and um, who you, who's like your dream person? Well, we I wanted to get. Uh, I mean, I, I Tom DeLong definitely in my yeah. in my head was one, you know. Um, but from other than other than his perspective, which is is not, is, he's just you know really he's in deep, and I he he's got so many contacts and uh, with to the stars they've they've got made such a great institution with uh, gaining so much uh, intelligence and uh, and putting it out there. Um, you know, um, unidentified as a, as a show that's uh, it's it's opening people's minds up and and it's it's advancing us through into disclosure, which is which is exciting. And so, any anyone involved in that 
show um any of those uh gentlemen that i see on tv that that seem to be connected with uh a bit more knowledge a bit more um classified stuff but of course you know that's it's will they reveal it you know what are they willing to say and a lot of these guys that are retired the other thing that comes to my mind is is eyewitnesses who um are are really getting on a bit who ha- who are ex-military who have retired and who can reveal truths uh who, testimonials that that i've i've read uh and i think it was an unacknowledged that 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 uh that book um yeah some of those some of those some of those testimonials are um fascinating and uh, are from retired generals and high-ranking high-ranking people uh that just give so much legitimacy to the field that mm-hmm. i would i would love to talk and i like talking to um older people i just think I, i've always respected older generations as we as we really really should um being ex-military as well because of uh, the, the people who have fought in wars and things like that you know um so as 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 young minds i think we we need to uh hear the wisdom of older folk um so i i I would go down that direction for sure if we if we did go uh get another season awesome man yeah i i totally agree i mean the first person i interviewed when i was 13 years old was uh a vietnam vet you know he uh he right. had a UFO sighting over the Pacific and uh, he didn't talk about it ever to anyone. Yeah. Um, I got in touch with him and like talked to him for three hours, maybe five minutes was about the UFO sighting. But the stories this guy had to tell, I agree with you. Like what a what an amazing life that a lot of these people have led. And like, let's respect that. Let's uh, let's build off of it and let's ask new questions. So, yeah, totally. I think that's an awesome Awesome way to go about it. And I can't wait, hopefully, to hear some of those. Um, awesome. Violetta on Patreon. She asks, all right, we're going back to the X-Files, Reese. Um, did you ever get into any in-depth discussions about UFOs with Duchovny or anyone uh, on set? Did that ever happen? Good question. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, Duchovny was reading uh, that book. Uh, I think it's called Humanoids or Humanoid or hu. hu- yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'll have to check on what is, but it was. I it was about uh, Hugh humanity uh, and and uh, so he he's into the into the subject matter. So he's just not acting. He is, you know, he's a he's a believer, um, and so I found that really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, short answer is we, yeah, we there wasn't a lot of standing around the fire um yarning it was more like me and my trailer going over those difficult lines <laughs> dude you had some heavy material there heavy I mean, material man not only that i had to get like someone really iconic to try and stab me to death with this glass bottle and uh you know it was one of those it was a it was a it was a um a theater glass so it was like yeah. it wasn't proper glass but we he I got him to sort of poke me and then he actually uh, made me bleed. I got a little scar in my, in my fingers because it, even if it was like, it's like candy glass, it's like glass that you use in, in TV that when you smash it, it's not a real glass, but it's kind of like made of candy, but it still, it still managed to uh, make me bleed. And so I'll always have that memory. A permanent souvenir from the yeah. X-File. A, a little, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, Hey, you know, I mean, we've heard in the past that, X-Files had 
people on set from intelligence communities and uh, actual FBI investigators who looked into weird stuff. So we know that a lot of inspiration from the show came from of real course. life, which is really cool. So, um, hey, that's all we can ask for in a show, you know, covering this topic is go to the people who actually know about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Gift. Yep. yeah. Um, all right. Moving back to Hollywood. Uh, Jason on Facebook asks, uh, what percentage of people in Hollywood and entertainment uh, that you know uh, have talk about these things, UFOs and stuff? I mean, you're very visible and out there on the topic, but um, do you ever get shit from people in the entertainment industry about being into this stuff or anyone you can think of who you're willing to out on the show oh, who's wow. really interested in this stuff? Yeah, we're getting scandalous here. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of thing you can't you can't do unless they are out with it, you know. But um, in that degree, I uh, first of all, I don't get ridiculed within the community of of Hollywood or anything like that with my beliefs, and I get away with it obviously because I'm a comedian. I'm weird. I talk about weird stuff. I do weird weird things. I predominantly play weird characters from other realms. Uh, so. So that's okay. I, you know, um, and in this day and age, now that it's more and more acceptable, uh, the stigma is not attached to it. Um, it's, uh, or at least it's slowly getting released. It's still, it's still there uh, in some, in some ways. But um, for me, uh, because of the field of entertainment I'm involved in, uh, I'm not. I'm, yeah. No one, no one points a finger or or says anything behind my back. At least not, not that I know of. Um, if, I, if I if I was in politics, it'd be a different story. If I was a uh, uh, a lecturer of some sort, if I was dealing with way more serious subject matter about certain things, and then I had this as my hobby or had this belief, people would go, oh, "Okay, uh, then," because then you they worry about you, and that, that that pisses me off because it doesn't matter what you do, uh, if you believe in this kind of stuff, that's okay, and that should be okay, and you you have to sometimes separate it from from your actual job particularly if you're in some sort of really serious kind of position. Um, but in my position, which is not serious, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it runs hand in hand. Um, yeah. So, yeah, now do I do it? Does it come up much in, uh, in green rooms or in um, uh, trailers? Um, of course, now and again. Um, and it's actually because people know I'm into it, they'll they'll get the courage to bring it up or say, I'm into this or I've seen this. What do you think, Reese? And I'll and I'll have a discussion with them. And I think that's really cool. So that's one of the reasons I actually am quite open about it, because it is the unknown. Uh, no one's really got the answers apart from some people who like contactees who who may who strongly believe that they've seen these certain things or have had these certain experiences that, you know, that that's a different thing. Again, I'm not one of those. But all I can do is uh, is, is chat and and, and um, hypothesize and theorize, and I think that's one really fun thing. That's the that's the coolest thing about this field, is that it's just it's just folk talking. It's like um, and it's and it's uh, getting our brains moving, and it's it's opening the little doors in our brains and zapping each other with these ideas, and and through that finding some sort of disclosure as well. So um, mm-hmm. or not, you know, I I always. I always think the journey is much more rewarding. Yeah, like, yeah. I almost don't want the answers, Reese. I think we're going to be like disappointed if we do figure out, you know, and it's actually know. us. It's actually, yeah. uh, and then it's, then it's out, then it's, yeah, I know. Um, but us from the future is still going to be exciting. 
But you still when you, when you, you know, when you when you see these and, and the one of the things that's got in the way is pop culture in a major way. And I'm 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 partly to blame of that, obviously, but I but it's when you think back to the little green men and things like that, the movies of the fifties, the source of men from Mars, that kind of stuff's it's it's muddied it all up. And then then people are picturing those things. And then when they think they see things, they're seeing those things as well. And, and so it's the, it's the, um, that mixed with the reality of the fact that maybe they, there are these beings with the almond shaped eyes and stuff because they are so, they're so prevalent in people's visual memories and things. So (laughs) it's, it's a muddy old river, isn't it? Isn't it right? (laughs) It is very. There's days I wake up and I'm like, why, why am I doing this? But hey, yeah. conversations like this where we can really stretch out and like, like you said, hypothesize, yeah. you know, um, anytime one of these UFO people says they have the answers and they know what's right and what's wrong, that's when I run for the hills. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man, or, or woman, let's be and honest. Yes, those uh, are the ones you sometimes see at those conferences as where absolutely. they do stand in front of a massive crowd and they say, right, well, this is what the story is. I've yeah. been in contact with these aliens. I've done this. I've worked on these products with them, um, you know, and that, and uh, and that's, you know, Bob Lazar's not quite at that level. He's he's. I put him slightly differently to that because uh, he's he's not uh, admitting working with aliens or things like that. Uh, right. He's he's technology technology based, um, but. Yeah, it's it's the grain of salt thing, and it's the it's there's such a thing as there's the want to believe, and then there's that 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 personal want to be to be too strong. So you got to pull yeah. your want back because if if you if you start sprinting towards that finish line with that big want tattoo on your forehead, you know you're going to hit some false finish line and fall over and start opening the champagne, and then people are going to be around you going, "Dude, you came down the wrong track." Oh, that is the perfect analogy. I, there's <laughs> interview over later. Ah, um, there we go. <laughs> um, awesome. Just a couple more here, my man. Oh, this is bringing us to New Zealand. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, Amanda on Facebook says, do you know about the airline pilot, Bruce Cathy and his theories on the world grid? Um, yeah. Is this guy, have you heard about him in your, your neck of the woods? The world it rings a bell, but no, yeah. I'm 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 not sure. Yeah, okay, um, I have to look it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got some. I'd I'd never heard of him either. So like, you're not alone in this. Man. Okay. Um, but World Grid. Okay, she gives some information here. His central thesis was that he could use mathematics to describe a grid-like pattern on Earth that powers flying saucers uh-huh. and controls the dates and places where nuclear bombs can function that's interesting we hear a lot about ufos being sighted over nuclear facilities yeah. and whatnot so this dude in new zealand apparently thinks there is a grid that these ufos are following uh when it comes to our nuclear capabilities and maybe it's powering the flying saucers yeah what do you think that, of that that's that, a big that's, one that's interesting i mean when it comes to grids and the earth i'm into the uh uh the magnetic situation and magnetic uh negative magnetic anomalies throughout the throughout the planet where people see paranormal activity and i think there's a big uh there should be more focus on on that situation for example things like skinwalker ranch where there's a lot of magnetic situations going on there and that and then yeah. there's you know is a, a cesspool of paranormal activity and not just ufos but cryptids and things like that which gets me so excited because i i, I love to involve 
multi-dimensional um, creatures and things like that, not just lights in the sky, because uh, well, a it's it's more fun, and b there's got to be a connection there. And um, being into cryptozoology, you know, I, I I like the idea of sasquatches and and um, various other creatures like Nessie and things that. Uh, have been seen and why are they seen and are they really there or are they just uh, appearing from uh, another dimension uh, because of uh, a time shift or because of the magnetic anomaly in that area that uh, at a certain time of day or a certain uh, the way that the the earth is placed at that particular time uh, a vision uh, happens and it could be not even of the now it could be of a different timeline could be of the past but it's a because we're living in a multi-dimensional universe. It is it is here, but it's not here. And so there's that kind of that kind of talk, which 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 I think uh, is fun. Yeah. So so the grid line stuff. Yeah, I, I'll look into that. Um, I I also really like the idea uh, that the extraterrestrials always come in contact with us around the nuclear situation, and that they are protecting us. Or you know, and then there's the footage of the. Um, of them zapping the uh, the nuclear uh, missile that was up in space and 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 things yeah. like that and and just the contact around around bases. Rendlesham Forest f- falls into that one as well, I think, in some ways. Although that's another mystery again, because uh, what the hell was that craft just sitting in the forest for for no apparent reason? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. By the way, didn't have little dudes in it. Uh, so I'm still, as we're talking here, I'm still thinking more and more like there there isn't little dudes in these things because. Uh, uh why why would they need to why would they need to be um i yeah. and i why yeah. would they need to be in there looking through the wind looking through the windshield looking down going okay just checking on oh we've been seen quick get out of here and i just don't it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem right but it's still worth uh talking about because then people who have have ex, who have had experiences you know swear till they're blue in the face that they have been taken up and, and have con- and have been and have uh talked to these beings uh through their through their mind and what have you so you know get that a bag of salt and 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 uh and join in on that discussion everywhere absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Salt well salt me uh make me salty um that's such a good point though the whole idea of um you know maybe they're it's their version of drones we send unmanned things to other planets why would you risk one of your beings lives or, you know, look at our fighter jets. These things cost millions of dollars. So we're not going to risk putting a pilot in there and it crashing on another planet until we're sure that we're going to be safe. And look, if, if, Roswell taught us anything. They're yeah. not safe. They're crashing. Yeah. So, but I was just going to yeah. say that's where, where when Roswell comes in, and then you think, well, okay, so there was there was creatures inside there. If we if we go with the folk, supposedly, yeah, so, yeah. But that kind of spins that out of a little bit of context, uh, out of out of uh, uh, <sighs> the focus on what we're trying to get to. So it's it's yeah. once again the river's muddy. You know, um, it's, yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Every time we think we solve it. (laughs) Um, All right. The Zignals on Twitter asks, love your work, Reese. Can you tell us about your favorite UFO case of all time? Rendlesham, for for sure. Is it? Okay. Yeah, Rendlesham Forest. Uh, Just because, uh, you know, it's out of the States and there's so many in the States. And I know there's, there's ones in all over the world. But that one for me, it's it's got a, a you know heavy American involvement. Obviously, it was uh, those those two American bases that were in 
in the U- in the UK at the time, but uh, I love it because there's so much going on with it and the craft was right there. They actually went right up to it and they touched it. It had like hieroglyphic uh, signs on it. It's just got so much Steven Spielberg sort of George Lucas aspect to it. Um, yet, yet I believe it, it is definitely real. And then there's the whole uh, issue with the, if you read into this case with the um, one of the chaps getting, uh, getting the download writing all those binary codes in his notebook and then and then the translation of what that came out to be uh which does uh feature forth uh the hypothesis of uh us from the future things like that it's just the the mysteries that are the unraveling of that one is is really cool because there are so many cases and a lot of them are just sightings or being chased by something or a light in the sky or a um, you know, a, uh, the Phoenix Lights is a is a really cool one because it was just the amount of eyewitnesses, and you've got those boomerang shaped craft, and um, there is no kind of, I find not believing in that one to be hard. Uh, you know, it's not a bunch of flares. There was there was just it's a, a, anything that's stacked with a lot of evidence. First of all, are the, are the greatest cases, but anything that uh, is more than just uh, lights in the sky is that the, a tangible um, uh, kind of physical effect on people uh, really pricks my ears up and makes me even more excited so yeah Rendlesham's um, up there for me I would have to agree I mean you even had Nick Pope on your show yeah. as well the former MOD molder as it were and uh, exactly. physical effects too man I, I mean one of those guys had like heart failure that they discovered That's came right. from being around radiation at this UFO event. And then the government paid his health bills and said it was directly connected to this UFO event. So that's insane to me, you know, that yeah. this guy's being covered by the VA and because of a UFO event, like it just blows my mind. Yeah. They, yeah. The, 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 the danger that comes with the negative uh, magnetic negative energy and stuff that, that, that we get from these things uh, that's time and time again, uh, brought up uh, yeah. is, is really scary, and you think oh, the, the the effects that these things have on you. So when, and I often think about that when I think, oh, I'd love to see one of these things up close or whatever. And then you think, well, hang on, people who have done that have had really bad effects for the rest of their lives and stuff. So there's that. That's where know. the potential threat comes in, you know? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's it might not even be their intention. They just don't know. They're from another. They come through with energy that we can't suss out. That's not good for us. Maybe right. that's why they're not coming to us more ob- uh, more more re- readily because yeah, they, yeah. they know that they 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 um they will have a, a diverse um, uh, adverse I should say effect on us as humans. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Again, I think it comes back to us having more to do with it than we think. It's the same with our pilots. You know, if these UFOs may not potentially uh, be malevolent, but how our pilots react to them or how they deal with the situation in the moment uh, could be a threat. Like you know, yeah. they could they could set off a world war if you know they shot at one of these things that was just there to be like, hey, we're just checking out. Like we've got the cure for cancer if you want it. But, or you could just blow us up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Right. So here's our last listener question, Reese. I think you'll like this one. If you could visit the location of any UFO flap, sighting, landing, 
what would it be? What's your dream case other than Rendlesham? I know we just covered yeah. that. If it's Rendlesham, like that's your answer. But yeah, any other dream cases you wish you could be personally involved with? I would love to, and I know there's an expedition uh, that's underway uh, in the planning stages, uh, and that's off the coast, Catalina Island, where there is supposedly a USO base under the sea. I believe there could be something there. The amount of sightings that we have off the coast of California here that seems to be centered around that area and and I think they're going out uh, with it with a research ship. I'm a big fan of research ships uh, from Jacques <laughs> Cousteau and uh, you know the Life Aquatic. I want to be on one of these things. Um, and so I think that's something I'd like to do is to go out to sea. And because I think some of the big answers that we haven't uh, grasped yet are under the oceans. Because mm. what a what a place to hide. Uh, you know, there's more down there. I think that's a mystery than up in our skies for sure. I think so. And, and, and things are coming out of the sea. That's, and, and when you were out at sea to any extent away from land, you can see the absolute vastness of the ocean and to, to see a little bloop come out. Um, no one would notice it. You know, a little, these tiny things that might come out to survey to uh, these these orbs, these craft, whatever they are, um, a perfect place to hide. And so I wish a lot of money went into um, creating some sort of uh, Nemo-type uh, uh, submarine, sub- submersible research craft that could go on top and underneath um, or both. Um, yeah and and uh, search our oceans uh for for not only atlantis but uh but the uso bases that might be underneath the seas that that would be super cool well hey full disclosure man um i am one of the media reps for that expedition you're talking oh, wow. about so i will uh, put you in touch with those people and hopefully we can get you out to catalina island i mean you're not that far away if i'm mistaken well i've got the binoculars man so uh <laughs> Dude, you are ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'll, I'll grab get your scuba my, gear. I get my scuba gear and my drink bottle and uh, my flippers, and I am there, my man. Oh, love it, love it. We're gonna make it happen for sure. Well, wrapping things up here, Reese. Man, thank you so much for all your time. We've been almost going for two hours. I, oh, yeah. I really appreciate this. Um, tell us a little about. You've spoken about it um throughout the interview, but the cryptid factor. You, yeah. uh, I know you're going to be having some exciting stuff going on with that soon. Um, what is the cryptid factor? Who do you do that with? And yeah, give us a little rundown of that. So that is my podcast uh, with Buttons and Dan Schreiber, and it uh, it is about cryptozoology first and foremost. But because the stories, uh, eyewitness reports, and uh, uh, news relating to that subject matter isn't coming in thick and fast every five minutes. <laughs> Uh, We also deal with uh, weekly world weird news, which is one of our big segments. So we uh, talk about anything weird or paranormal that is happening uh, on the earth uh, on a weekly basis. And we, we uh, don't discuss things before we get together. The three of us are in different continents uh, presently. Um, uh, And so like Dan's in the UK, uh, Buttons is in New Zealand. I'm here in, in LA at the moment. And we we get out we get our uh, we get our stories and then we surprise each other with the headlines uh-huh. and we and then we um, we kind of outdo each other with the spookiness and then we we chat about um, where 
where we think these stories are going. And we and and first and foremost, um, you know, we have a great laugh and it's entertainment. Um, but we uh, do what we have done on the aliens like us, and that is um, hypothesize and uh, yeah, just try and answer the mysteries of the world. So that that podcast has been going uh, since 2008. It actually started on the actual radio in New Zealand. We were on a dance station called George, and we were on Saturday mornings. Um, so people would be coming off a high listening to unst unst music all night, and then all of a sudden our theme tune would come on and we'd be discussing Sasquatch and theories and we'd get a lot of people uh, uh, texting us saying, stop encouraging this bullshit, and that kind of became our motto. Uh, so we've been uh, encouraging BS since then, and it went to different radio stations. We got fired from George. We, met, we moved to uh, another radio station, a student one, um, and then we moved from that to uh, another uh, another station that was uh, in the middle of a shopping mall. And we were the three of us. Uh, uh, this, this is when Faria was on the show uh, would be in this shopping mall with these microphones. People would be walking past with their with their, their bags and stuff and ice creams. And we'd be have our headphones on, you know, talking about UFOs and things. <laughs> It was. It was just. We just love the bizarreness. We have mat- matching berets and t-shirts that we wear, and it's kind of like it's kind of like the Ghostbusters on heat. Um, and so it's just a lot of fun, but also yeah, it's a passion. And and so that podcast, which in itself was a cryptid, because we would only be able to do it when we could get to do it. it was sometimes it would be once every third week. Or uh, and we'd put it up on online, and people would go, "Ah, oh, we've discovered an- another another one of your uh, shows." <laughs> uh, but but as of lately, we've got back together, and it is now weekly. And uh, so it's this is the best we've ever done with it. Um, and I think it's because the world's a bit screwed, and we're all kind of uh, well, we're out of work. Let's be honest. And uh, so so that's one positive that's come out of 2020. And so. It's on. It's on all the networks. Uh, it's on Spotify and uh, it's on SoundCloud and iTunes, I think. And we're trying to. And and by the way, it's not monetized. It's a complete hobby. Um, so yeah, that that's where we're at. Um, we've actually tried to turn it into a TV show a couple of times. Um, I think it'd be great. Um, but we one 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 of the ones we did, we 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 did it for Discovery, and they were like, someone someone really loved us. And and then and then the upper management when they saw the pilot, they just went. You guys are just mad. What you, no one's going to watch this, and because you know, and and so we kind of took that as a badge of honor as well. Because okay, I guess your audience is not for us, uh, but it's you know, um, it really is the it is the choo choo train that never stops. Uh, so that's the cryptid factor. Um, Awesome, man. Hey, encouraging BS since two thousand eight. There's the T-shirt right there. I'm yeah. in. Let me know when it's available. But no, I, I've recently started listening to that one as well. I love it. Um, here's another project I'd love to um, to throw to our audience, especially our New Zealand audience. Um, Big in Japan. Can you tell us a little about this? Uh, oh, yeah. What yeah. Um, what what brought this project about? And what was your experience like going um, going over to Japan? My girlfriend lived there twice now. Um, speaks pretty good Japanese, but I am terrified, man. Um, culture shock is not my thing. So what was it like? Yeah. Total culture shock. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so basically that was, um, a really awesome experience. It came about because of the, uh, supposed 2020 Olympics 
being held in Japan. Right. So the right. idea was uh, to make a show for um, the Australasians, the South Pacific, where I'm from, down under, uh, to give them a little bit of a, a, a culture woohoo about uh, what Japan's like. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was sent over there on assignment, if you will. Um, and there I was. I'd never been there. Always on the top list of places I want to go. Um, and it usually is for people because it is so different and um, so interesting. And so many cool pop culture things come out of Japan that that uh, that uh, encourage and construct really cool things in the Western world that we end up, you know, we we, we the original ideas uh, are from Japan. Also, I'm a big robot fiend. So it just made sense for me to to be part of this. The other thing I'll say is that it was possibly the last travel show created uh, because I did it this year um, and I was in Japan uh, in January through to uh, mid, mid-February so for five weeks. Um, and, and wow, then COVID, right before the world. Yeah. Yeah. COVID struck while I was there. So the last, oh, week, last okay. week and a half, my wife was like, you better get out of there, uh, you know, because I was, there's a, a close part of the world to, to where things were really kicking off. And right. um, so I finished up with it, um, wore a mask heavily in the last week or so, and then and then and then got out, you know. But uh, what a time! Uh, my my kid, uh, my eldest boy Finn, uh, uh, takes Japanese at school. He's getting real good with the language, loves the culture. It was very jealous I was over there, so I was uh, I was thinking of him a lot, and I was getting doing some good groundwork so that I could return there uh, with the family because I know he really wants to go. Um, of course, you know, then the world turned upside down and then the Olympics didn't even happen. Uh, and so, but we managed to get the show out. So it was called, um, uh, Reese Darby big in Japan, uh, it hit the New Zealand, uh, television screens. And I believe it's going to Australia next, uh, where it's just called Reese Darby in Japan. They've dropped their big, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> turns out I wasn't so big. Um, not so uh, big. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was great. You know, I got, I got a couple of recognizers there. I was in, a. Uh, it was in a, a very a geeky part uh, where all these figurines and comics and stuff like that. I go to those places quite a bit. Um, I forget the Japanese word for it, uh, but uh, I got recognized from the X-Files when I was in this uh, figurine and comic book store. And oh, wow. uh, yeah. And so that was really cool. The, the, these uh, Japanese fans were very excited. I saw this rock band uh, that um, the audience was, I think, this can't be right, but I'm thinking it was like 10,000 people in this, uh, this audience. Um, it was called, uh, was it called baby, like, uh, baby rock or baby. Anyway, some of the listeners will know the, the name of this, this rock band. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I had said that was just a couple of these great, ex- I also trained to be a samurai. Um, and I, and I created this mascot, uh, and and walked around and went to a snow festival, a fire festival. I I really almost clocked Japan in five weeks. It was a fantastic, wow. fantastic trip. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, they're big on their uh, mascots. There, I've noticed. We've got um, Hikonyan, which is the samurai cat, all oh, over yeah. our apartment back in New York City because that was the uh, every small prefecture has like their own that's mascot. Right. You know? Even so businesses, cool. yeah, they call it the Yurikara. And yeah. uh, it's a really cool thing because Japanese people are they're kind of shy and there's not this, uh, and to their credit, they're not touchy feely, which is great in this era, but, uh, yeah, but, they do, but they do like, they do really connect with uh, inanimate 
uh, objects of of uh, of characters and things, and so mm-hmm. I, I think that was really cool. And a lot of other countries, you know, they they would they were more likely to mock the idea of a of a mascot or you know you know what we can tend to be like you'll 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 push it or something like that. I've been a mascot in New Zealand in a parade where someone's just kicked me, you know. But that sort of stuff would not happen in Japan. It's all hugs and 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 photographs, and it's a really good really good uh, energy to the people over there and a very disciplined culture. So I, I, I really, I really loved it. It sounds like it was a, an amazing experience. And Hey, look, the day will come when we're all able to, to travel again. And fingers I, crossed. Hope, <laughs> fingers crossed. I know, I know if everyone, you know, pulls their weight, but um, man, this has been amazing again, you know, while the world kind of falls apart, there are things to look forward to. And the fact that I got to get you on here today, huge honor. I'm a huge fan of everything you do. Yes. I'm in a fanboy out right now, Sorry, <laughs> but um, the fact that you have these interests only makes you that much cooler in my eyes. And I'm sure oh, many thanks, other. Ryan. So um, yeah, I got to thank you for coming on. Is there anywhere that our listeners can, uh, find you on your social media to uh, ask you some more questions uh yeah i'm on i'm on twitter uh, i don't do it much at the moment the last few things i've been doing on it is just to, I've, I've discovered what i what i what i want to do with it and that's just put out little poems every now and again just to uh make people smile or whatever because i don't like to have opinions on things or whatever there's enough of that going on and a lot of twitter is negative i'm also on um uh, facebook i have a fan site on that you can just find me there um, and Instagram as well. So it's, it's normally either, uh, it's R H Y S I E D A R B Y. Reese Darby is one of the, one of the hooks I go with. Other than that, you know, g- Google me, find me. And, uh, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm not working out on the Peloton or writing jokes, I'll, uh, I'll answer you. keep fit man hey look there's the cryptid factor symbol at the back there see oh love it that's so cool i can't do oh there it is so yeah we'll have to get you in aliens like us one made next but um dude again thank you so much for coming on somewhere in the skies today and uh we'll talk soon yeah man and thank you keep up the good work uh great show and uh keep fighting the good fight i'm with you all the way Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.